In this episode of the Palmetto Guardian, we talk about animal rescues and survivor outreach services. Welcome to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Specialist David Erskine. And I'm Lieutenant Tracy Dorgan. And uh, we, we, we got to meet uh, Lieutenant Dorgan in last week's episode uh, for Hugo, and she's back with us again for another episode this week. And of course, we're talking storm stuff and, and everything that went around Hugo. So we're going to take the opportunity today to, um, to talk about what you do a little bit on, on your civilian side of your life, which is you're a farmer. I'm a farmer. I, I run a rescue farm for farm animals, really. Uh, no, I don't rescue vegetables or anything like that. But <laughs> horses, donkeys, chickens, rabbits, goats, pigs, yeah. you name it. If it's a farm animal, I'll take it. And uh, I've actually been out to her farm, and she has a, a fair amount of animals. She has her own own herd of dogs. Oh, uh, yes, those two. Um, that, that, uh, and cats. And cats bunch of chickens and stuff i appreciate the uh the eggs that come from 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 the farm they're very good uh as one of my sons uh said they taste like freedom because <laughs> <laughs> they are free range tickets but uh that's kind of an odd thing to to get into um because you didn't really have any history as a farmer right not at all no. before before this moment in time you we discussed you know you were uh, born California area. Uh, as far as military, you've done public affairs, uh, signal and signal, field artillery. Field artillery. Yeah. Dillo recruiting back in the day. Yeah. Um, none of those are farmer MOSs. No, no. So how, how? It's just always since I was a little girl, you know, every little girl wants horses. Well, I wanted more than just horses. I wanted the whole farm. So uh, always wanted to have a, I always thought about 50 acres in Montana but I hate the cold. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I decided for a few acres in South Carolina and just went with it. Not that that's not completely opposite, but <laughs> whatever. I mean, it seems ballparkish, and, and I don't think there's a problem with that. Um, so, I mean, you obviously wanted to do it. I mean, just one day you go, man, I'm going to get a horse. Or, I mean, how does that evolve? How, how does that start? I mean, I, I live in a community right now. I got a half acre lot with my house. I couldn't imagine just walking home one day and going, you know what? I'm going to rescue a horse today. I'm going to let it hang out in the backyard. I mean, it's got to be some kind of plan and forethought, or was it kind of just you were walking along one day and it presented itself to you as an opportunity? Um, it was a forethought, yeah. The, like there was, <laughs> I've heard of, uh, I can't even think of the name. Um, there's a uh, Big Oaks Rescue okay. in Greenwood. Okay. And I learned about them many years ago, and that's was like, I want to do something like that. You know, it's it's uh, just a way to take care of horses, and you kind of get them for free. Obviously, you have to pay for their food and everything like that, but you don't have to pay for the horse. Huh. And um, horses are very expensive if you went out and bought one. So best way to get one is to rescue one. And it wasn't even three months that I had my fence up that I had – three horses from a nearby farm that was just struggling couldn't feed their horses so i got three horses so obviously there's no there's no shortage of people that um want to bring you animals then right i never have a problem finding people to give me animals um i try not to find too many because i can only do so much yeah yeah 
Um, I mean, like I said, I've been out to your your, your place. You got you got a nice little area out there. I mean, you got hopes and dreams of growing it bigger than what it is. Or are you kind of happy where it is today? Or no, I really want it to grow exponentially. Uh, I've got to get into the fundraising and and now to make make it make money as far as a nonprofit. But uh, for right now, it's it's a good size because I can do it all by myself. But I want it to get bigger. That's just that's just wild to me. I um, I I couldn't imagine. I've I've taken in a couple stray dogs and and stray cats and like that's stressful enough by itself. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't really. <laughs> there's no plan to have this animal here today. I, I just the fact that people just call me like, hey, yeah, by the way, I got a horse. You got room? Like that's not finding like a little corner in your house for a kitten or no. something like that to hang out. Um, now you also try to rehome yes. the animals if possible. Yes. So right now I do have a total of six horses, but if I hadn't rehomed three already, I would have nine. So, <laughs> um, sometimes you have to think that I might be the last home for somebody because three of my horses are high twenties oh, yeah. and that's old for that's a horse. Old I have one 29 year old and yeah. I mean, he's actually one of my best looking horses, but <laughs> um, once they start getting in their high 20s, people really don't want them. So I'm also, I have to plan that I'm their final home. Yeah. And I just love on them, feed them, and groom them, and, you know, he, he even gives me good, uh, good kisses. So Yeah. Yeah, he's a real sweet baby. <laughs> I had, um, I've had one kiss by a horse. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy it. Um, I worked on a horse farm when I was younger, and I made the mistake of bending over in front of a, a young stud um, <laughs> in red red sweatpants. And I know exactly how many teeth are at the top and the bottom of a horse's mouth as they, they clamp onto your rear end. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't great. Well, no. My, my horse doesn't use teeth. He doesn't use teeth. No. Okay. Yeah. Because... Uh, um, uh, and and I I tell you what I uh, along with that I've actually brought my my son out to your farm uh, to and I, I brought my my niece and my nephew out there too, which is really cool. It's a really good experience for them to kind of see how some of that stuff works and the fact that you let them come out there. And uh, I, I like that you know she took the time with them to teach them and show them kind of how to handle the horses correctly and where to stand and things like that that I wouldn't have known how to do so not only are you you doing some some rescue stuff at least for people that know you or whatever there's some education uh potentials involved in there now how was that for you going into it you know did you did you kind of already know how to handle this situation like did you go are there like horse support groups out there that i don't (laughs) know about like horse taking care of anonymous or or what like Uh, i haven't found any if there are (laughs) there might be i just don't uh i don't spend the time looking for them. Yeah. Um, I've just learned as I go. Uh, when I first bought the land and put up fencing, I got my niece's horse. And I only had her for three months before I got those my first three rescues. So it was all just trial by fire. And <laughs> I learned a few things the hard way. I uh, got my few t- broken toes <laughs> by getting stepped on. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, yeah. But and I, I learned to do everything organically, too. So I, my horses don't get a lot of medicine or treatments, per se, as a veterinarian would um, prescribe a medicine for, I don't know, let's say worms or, or anything. I've learned how to treat it organically. So they still get their vaccines for rabies, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But if it can be treated organically, I've learned how to do that. Ear, ear mites, hoof problems. 
I do it all organically. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. a lot of reading. It it has been a lot of reading. If I could have a master's degree in just learning how to take care of a horse, I, I would have it. Yeah, you'd be all over yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Um, and, and that's the cool thing um, kind of about all the people in the Guard in general. Uh, we always talk about this whole citizen-soldier thing, and I think sometimes – it becomes more of a slogan than a reality. But w- right. when you get to talk to people like yourself and, and many others, I mean, you could you could pick anybody out of the guard. And, and um, they all have these these stories, these wealths of knowledge. Um, I mean, if if I was – if we didn't know each other and work with each other and I just met you one day on, on a training exercise, there's nothing about you that I went, yeah, she rescues horses. Right. You know, and um, – that's just amazing. It's amazing me to think how that process would happen for you and, and how you get into that. And it's, it's something you just basically, you, ha- you have to be passionate about. Right. Um, you know, and you, you might say, you might think, well, you know, where does that skill apply? But let's play a little scenario game here. You know, if, if we are in a disc mission or a hurricane mission and, um, like we discussed before, you know, you're from a different section um, on M-Day side during hurricanes. But, I mean, if for some reason there was trapped horses or something like that and they, they didn't know how to handle the pe- personnel that were there, you have an expertise in this of, you know, potentially how to settle these horses down, how to get them moved and whatever else. You know, I do have a funny story now that you say that. So it was probably my third hurricane response, and we were at Conway High School. My unit was at Conway High School. That was our... Uh, Base. Base, yeah. And they had chickens and ducks in their back lot. And nobody from the school was coming back to feed them because everybody was told to evacuate. And so everybody's like, how do you take care of these chickens? What do we have to do for the ducks? Oh, my gosh, what are we doing? And I'm like, I got you. I'll take care of it. So every morning I'd bring out some scraps. We'd have vegetables from the night before, bread or anything. I didn't know where the supplies were for the school, so I didn't have lock and key to get stuff, but I made do with what was around from our cafeteria and gave them water, Yeah, changed their waters out. And see, that matters, you know. I mean, that type of stuff matters, you know. Some people might kind of scoff at it it like ducks and chickens, but... That was somebody's ducks and chickens. And, and you forget a lot of times when you are in these natural disasters, being able to come back to something that's your norm. It's something yeah. as silly as a duck or a chicken can be huge for people. I mean, that's why there's so many of these pet rescues and stuff like that that happen during these storms mm-hmm. event. And these shelters are set up so people can reconnect with their animals. Um, you know, if you're not a pet owner, uh, you might not completely get it. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Not everybody should or, or wants to have pets. But for people who do have pets, those are their family members. Right. And, and it matters. They matter just as much as a brother, sister, an aunt, uncle, you know. Um, we lost uh, a dog recently at our house. And, you know, I guess it hit me a little bit harder than what I, you know, I thought it would. And definitely my wife and my, and my son. But, you know, he was part of the family. He yeah. was part of the family. Well, like I said, my oldest horse is 29. Now, I haven't had him 29 years. But if somebody did keep that horse for 29 years, that's, yeah. that's a long time to have a horse. Yeah. So uh, I'm just happy to be able to provide him a happy last home. Yeah. He, he'll be with me till his last day, so he's got a good home. Uh, but I also wanted to bring up equine therapy. Now, we talk about loss of any kind and soldiers of our South Carolina National Guard or any soldier, any military member, 
Equine therapy is an up-and-coming type of how to deal with your PTSD or how to cope with a loss. So you, if you want to come over and love on a horse yeah. because of your lost dog, yeah. you know. You're oh, my, my son would. <laughs> he might need it more than I, but yeah. I, but, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a therapy dog. It takes a lot of passion. It takes, and, and like I said, losses are terrible, whether it be an animal or, you know, a family member. And which kind of goes into to who we have coming in to talk with us today, our special guest uh, coming in from Survivor Outreach Services. Um, obviously a very passionate group of individuals um, that, that deal with some very uh, difficult. difficult stuff, yeah. um, but really is there for the soldiers, the airmen, um, really the whole military community of South Carolina and, and their family members and stuff. So, yeah. Um, People might have been wondering, you know, how is this whole like farm thing is is going into this or whatnot? But it it really is about caring about your loved ones on both sides, both both your your farm uh, is a continuation of care for animals that people have loved. Uh, Survivor Reach Service continues to take care of family members, soldiers, and airmen uh, even after you know tragic events like death and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess we'll we'll jump over to our special guest and, and we'll talk to them and find out more about Survivor Outreach Services. Well, they have a lot to tell us, so yep. all ears. Today we have Rochelle Tyndall-Sharp and Julia Reinberg from Survivor Outreach Services. Both of them are Survivor Outreach Service coordinators. Um, and they're going to tell us a little bit about the program now. In, in today's topic, for those who don't know what Survivor Outreach Services is, we are going to be talking um, about death and, and, and it's not something that we, you know, we like to talk about. It's not something that we, we hope for anybody, but it, it is a reality of the world we live in. And, and these are the people who, who have some information of how, how they reach out and, and can help, uh, soldiers and airmen with, with and their this families. and their families specifically with this situation. So thank you ladies for being with us. And if you don't mind, just Jump in and tell us a little bit about the program and what y'all do. Thank you for having us over here and giving us the opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about our program and the idea that is behind it. So Survivor Outreach Services, in short form SOS, is a long-term assistance to the families of the fallen. It is a holistic and multi-agency approach. Um, and we are a resource and referral program that assists the families of the fallen as long as they desire. Um, we, on a normal, regular basis, come in about 160 to 180 days after the deaths occurred, um, and um, we are not a replacement for the casualty assistance officer that does the, the main leg work of uh, securing benefits for the family if they're entitled to any. Um, we are coming afterwards and do the long-term care. Um, now, you mentioned the long-term care. Kind of what are some of the pieces that fall into that long-term care for, for that? Um, well, basically, you know, when, when the death initially happens, there's a lot going on that uh, survivors just cannot think about that may be coming later down the road. Um, they have a lot coming at them at one time while they're also grieving the loss of their loved one. 
So we help with anything as far as counseling later down the road, if they feel like that's something they need. Um, of course, if they need it immediately, then we have those resources as well. They can you know, speak with the casualty assistance officer. Um, and we do what we call a warm handoff from the casualty assistance officer to the survivor outreach service coordinator. So that's when we first meet our survivors. Um, and then from there forward, once the benefits and things are, are taken care of by the casualty assistance officer, any long-term needs as far as financial counseling, um, any kind of resource or referral, maybe a benefit was missed that they did not know they were entitled to. The children could have educational benefits later down the road, you know, when they become of age. So we track those children as well to make sure that they have, they receive what they're entitled to receive. You also have events that bring these survivors together, correct? Yes, and this is part of the holistic approach. Um, we strongly encourage not only financial peace, but also mental peace. And um, we often say when a death occurred, if a loss occurred, that a survivor is often for a very long time in a fog, not really knowing what's going on, not really understanding what is all coming at them. And it is important to have them able to find resources that can assist them maneuvering through this difficult time. And so one of the things that we do is having events because we have learned over the time that uh, during these events, these survivors bond. There are friendships formed that can last a, a lifetime. As I always like to say, this is the club nobody wants to be in. And nobody can really relate to the feelings and emotions that these families and survivors go through unless you have encountered it. Mm -hmm. You can say a lot, you can support a lot, and still you have no idea. And so we encourage our survivors strongly to reach out and find these bonds, find these families and, and, and people who are relatable to them and their, and their story. And so this is one of these things that, that make events so special for us and hopefully for our survivors, because that's, of course, our main concern. Right. Uh, and as far as the events go, we have two main events that we, we host every year. One is Gold Star Mothers and Family Day, and that's the last September, I mean, the last day of September. The last Saturday. Sunday. This year. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Keep rolling. We're correcting it on the fly. Last okay. Sunday so, of September, yeah? Yes. Right. This, okay. this year being the 29th of September. Um, okay. And the uh, Lace House at the Governor's Mansion, they've always been very supportive and accommodating. And so that's where we host the event. Um, and it's between, we're going to start around 1 o'clock registration, 1230-ish. And we should be done by 4 that day. Um, and this, again, is an opportunity for the survivors to come together and bond. Um, Depradas will be providing the lunch that day. Um, and it's a very special event. We'll have a balloon release, a poem reading. Um, and during the lunch, like I said, you know, that's the time for them to, to share their stories with, with each other. Uh, last year, we had a uh, survivor attend who had never, had a, who had never attended before. Um, she kind of had a bad experience when her son 
passed away many years ago um, with the, the individual she was working with and she just didn't feel comfortable. Um, but since then, me and her have, have bonded and she felt comfortable enough to give it one more try. And she did come to our event last year and now she's very involved in our program and very thankful for, for what we offer. Good. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll have some more first time attendees this year and we'll continue to build that and build the relationships between the survivors. Um, the other event that we have annually is our Holiday Wishes. That's going to be on December 7th. Yep, December 7th. And that will be this year at the Courtyard Marriott um, downtown here in the Vista, Columbia area. Okay. Mm -hmm. We do understand that certain survivors uh, cannot come to Columbia all the time, so we have smaller events in our AORs, areas of operations. We're actually in South Carolina. Uh, four active, one active duty and three National Guard sub, uh, Survivor Outreach Services coordinators. We share a uh, amount of about five and a half thousand survivors. Oh. Um, some of them, of course, are more active uh, with the program, some not so much, but we are trying to touch each and every one of them. So one thing, especially for the more elderly uh, population of our survivors, we do events in the individual AORs. So I have another event coming up on the 21st of September. It's uh, on Isle of Palm. It's very informal. It's just a get together, a meet and greet. So that's the things we do. There's one coming up uh, with, uh, in Georgia where I partner with Fort Gordon. Rochelle had in the past a very successful event in Florence. So um, I like to suggest follow us on Facebook, um, Survivor Outreach Services South Carolina, easy to find. Um, we always post in our events there, and uh, if you want an email and have a private invitation, get in touch with us. Um, now, <clears throat> I'm going to kick it over to two real-life stories that I was actually involved in and with y'all's office. Uh, one was many years ago um and i uh, i was asked to go out and film uh, one of the survivors of the situation and i remember filming it and i i got a little emotional and, it, and it, oddly enough it wasn't so much over the service members passing or death at the time um but it was just the family members themselves and how much survivor outreach services had done for them because I remember she, the, the, the individual, the, there was a younger daughter and a mother that was involved in the situation. And especially the daughter, because she had mentioned how much survivor outreach services had, the situation's never okay, but it made the situation more okay, I guess is the best way to put it, you know. It's not something that's ever okay, but y'all were able to make it um, more livable, I guess. And so that was, that was kind of wild to me. The other one was one that I I'd got involved in a couple years ago, but there was a, a, a young lady, uh, her husband had passed away, and she had no benefits at all. She had no clue that she was even available to benefits, and I'd actually given her y'all's number. And what was interesting about that to me is how much y'all's office is actually interconnected with every thing because y'all kind of kicked it off and next thing you know there was talks with the retirement section and this section and education and all this kind of stuff and i don't think they realize how much your y'all's office is actually integrated with with all the guard and service member family care talk to me a little bit about how 
I guess that piece of it works, that, that relationship you all have built with all these other offices in the Guard. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I can, I can kind of give you an example of um, how it relates to a, to a survivor that I just happened to run into her uncle who was in the Guard at actually the change of command for the TAG this past year, and he just asked, you know, what do you do? Um, how are you associated with the military? And, and I, I told him, and he said, well, you know, I lost my brother, um, and it was an accidental death. And let me, let me stress that, too. These aren't just, you know, killed in action. These, these are any type of deaths. It could be suicide. It could be uh, killed in action. It could be an accidental death. And this case was actually an accidental death. Um, and so he told me that his nieces were, you know, they were survivors, they were left behind um, when their father passed, and he wasn't sure if they were entitled to anything because of the dynamics of the family at the time, um, and could I check into it. So I took down the information, came back to work um, that following week, and looked into it, and we had went, I went to the education department and asked if there was any educational benefits that maybe I couldn't see because he was an M-Day soldier. So with M-Day soldier, benefits are different. He did not die in the line of duty. He wasn't active duty. Um, and to make this story a little, little shorter here, make a long story short, I found out that he had transferred some of his educational benefits to his daughter that they were unaware of. She was getting ready to graduate from Clemson, but she has a sister who was getting ready to start college. So, um, got the information we needed. She did the, the paperwork she needed to fill out, and the benefits were, were there. And they had no idea. So that's, you know, that's how we kind of just fit in with, with the guard. You never know who you're going to run into, what situation you're going to be asked about or be a part of. Um, and working at the Bluff Road Armory, we're right there with the uh, service member family care directorate, uh, retirement services right across the street. Um, Julie has a very good connection with the individual at the VA. Uh, we just build, build connections, you know, network and, and talk to the people we need to talk to to help survivors. So when it's an accidental death, how do you find out about it? This was happenstance <laughs> on this particular case. Yeah. But um, obviously the guard being a very tight-knit family, and, and speaking just guard now, not active duty, you know, we may get a call from someone from active duty as well or the Army Reserves. But just being here and um, being around as long as we've been around, um, you know, they, we would just ask or somebody will call or it could be put on the skip page that someone, you know, passed away. And then we see that and we say, well, you know, let's yeah. see if there's anything out there that they may be missing. I mean, the, the, the issue we have most is with older cases. Um, very often, if a survivor does not see a benefit coming towards him, they kind of don't want to have to contact or lose the contact. But so this is one of our mandates that we reach out to our survivors and find out what stage of their life they're in. What needs do they have? Can we assist them? No, there is no help for everything and assistance possible. But a lot of times we can reroute them and can offer them resources where they can find if it's not an Army-related benefit. Uh, with that being said, no shoe fits all. Um, it is always a very individual uh, 
talk in an individual situation. So I, what fits for survivor A does not necessarily fit for survivor B. But that's where we come in uh, analyzing basically what, what is needed and then referring it out and finding resources. And sometimes it is really a little bit of detective work when you find out that people didn't get their money that they were promised. So, yeah. And sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not successful. I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's, it's an individual situation, but we're always trying to reach out and, and do the best of our abilities and make sure and follow up that survivors is taken care of. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, there, there might not be financial stuff, but it is a holistic approach and sometimes just being, just belonging. Exactly, and one thing that Rochelle mentioned um, with Soldier Family Care, um, we have such a good working relationship, especially when it comes to the children. They're always, our survivor children are always welcome to uh, go to any of the uh, youth programs, events. They are very much included. Um, not only will this keep them more involved and out of this loneliness that they might fall into, but it also um, will connect them with, with the legacy of, the, of their last one. So most of our children actually are very much interested in going fishing or <laughs> to the summer camp. That's always a really good thing. So Yeah, uh, we become their extended family. Yes. Which, I mean, that's the way it's always been that's in the, the garden. Guard that's yeah. what the guard is. Anyway. Yeah, is. Yep. You know, just, just, you know, just because something happens doesn't mean you're not part of the family anymore. Right. And that's, that's really what I would want, one of the main things I would want people to understand that, you know, if, if you are the wife of a National Guardsman or, or a spouse, I should say, or a child, if you're to lose that individual who wears the uniform, you didn't lose your family. We're still here. So we're here for as long as, as they desire us to be. Now, you know, there may be cases where they're just not caught for at the moment, they're mad about something, and they're just like, no, we don't want to have anything to do with this. We just need our own time and our own space. The invitation's always open. They can always come back. Um, and talking about the extended family and stuff, uh, I actually went and covered a Gold Star um, event years back I had no clue what it was when I actually went out there mm -hmm. and and how tell us a little bit more about that program and, and why it exists and, and kind of how it got started type thing so in 1936 the Congress enacted the gold star Mother's Day and proclaimed it and it was actually going back to the fallen of World War one uh, in the meanwhile it has been grown and it has become a federal uh, accredited, I don't want to say holiday, but a memorial day for the Gold Star Mothers, which the president uh, signs a proclamation every year. Um, it is just meant to keep our families and their loss on our minds. I mean, less than 1% of the U.S. population actually serves in the military. So we see uniforms every day. We are exposed to this. But um, there are many, many families, many, many citizens of the United States who are not. And this is to reach awareness 
to honor the fallen's legacy, to remember them and honor their living and their sacrifice because it is an immense sacrifice. And like I said in the beginning, if you have not endured this, you cannot understand. And so, uh, like Rochelle said, the last uh, Sunday of September is the Gold Star Mothers and Family Day. And um, it is not only proclaimed on a national level, but it is uh, governor of South Carolina. Uh, he is also proclaiming it. And um, it is just to, to reflect on, on the sacrifice and the loss of the family and honoring them moving on and still being a part of this Army family. Uh, yeah, I was... Um when I when I first went out to this event and did it, you know, I, I thought it was going to be, um, I guess, a very somber, very sad event. Not to say that it's, it's still not a, you know, that emotion doesn't lie there. But it was actually a lot more, um, I guess, I won't say maybe upbeat, but it was a lot more um, um, bonding pride. It, it wasn't a sad type situation. It wasn't with these people. They become family for each other. Yeah. They become the support that we cannot offer because we're not on that emotional level. And it was just, it was amazing to watch these people and they were getting up and, and they were talking about it and you could see some of the newer uh, family members that were there were, were struggling. They were very quick to reach out and it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing situation yeah. to be a part of. And, and when you see things like that, you're like, yes, this is good. This is working. This is what things were intended to be. And um, I like that we have that part of the guard, especially with y'all, because y'all y'all have a very tough job. Y'all have a very tough job. I mean, very rewarding job, but it's it's it's, it's tough. I, I know it's tough. Um, um, I forgot where I was going with that question. <laughs> I, I, I knew I had it. There was a point that I was leading to. Oh, I'll let you think about it a minute. Okay. I, I, um, <laughs> add a few things. Yeah. Uh, as far as the rewarding and as, as our jobs or whatever, you know, a lot of people say, how can you do that every day? You know, how, you know, it's got to be very heavy and um, it is, but it's also when we have these events, it's a celebration of their lives. So we, we honor and remember their service, their sacrifice. We create relationships with these families. They become a part of one person in particular I think about when I see her, she always has this huge smile on her face. She lost her son. She has this huge smile on her face and we just hug each other. And you know, it's a time to spend time with your family. Um, you've, you've lost a family member, obviously, if you're attending one of these events, but we're your, we're your new family. Um, and we're celebrating the life they had together. So, uh, and then the rewarding part too is when we do find these benefits that they had no idea they were entitled to. When you make, can make a phone call to an 18 year old, he's getting ready to have his birthday, he's getting ready to turn 18, getting ready to begin college, and he finds out that his father had um, left him half of his, half the death, he was entitled to half the death gratuity, um, which was like $50,000, he had no idea and his dad had been passed for like 10, 12 years. Wow. And so I, I got to make that phone call and say, did you know? Can you come to Fort Jackson? Can you fill out some paperwork? This could really help you with your future and with your college. And then we connected him with a financial advisor because at 18, you know, money's 
Money's different than when you're a little a little older like me. Yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, they they received what they were entitled to and then got some help with how, how they to should take that to the next step. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So did you come back to your question? No, but I think that answered it. <laughs> Oddly enough, I think that answered the question that I was kind of wanting to go towards or whatnot. Um, yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's huge. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned that the 18-year-old, too, is, you know, when y'all can do something like that, that's, that's almost like bringing his dad back to him for, you know, that moment. You know, it's a reminder to him. I, 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 was, I was kind of putting myself in that situation. I could feel like a, a little tear coming up in the left corner of my eye there for a minute, but I could just – my dad's still with us. Thank you. Um, but I, I could imagine being in that situation and, and getting ready to go off to college and you're, you're having that thought, you know, always expecting my dad to be here and whatever else. And all of a sudden, you get this phone call, and he is here with you. Now you're gonna make me cry. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to, but I, you know, I got thinking about it because I got all boys too, you know. Right. And I, and I think about that situation with my youngest being, you know, twelve. If I wasn't there to right. to make it to, yeah. it would be awesome to know that I had people that could bring that to him. Sorry, <laughs> you're not you're supposed to, you're not supposed to do this. <laughs> Take care of. <laughs> there you go. You're not supposed to do this during during podcast or whatever, but I guess it just kind of got. Real. Yeah, yeah, you know. But with that, I want to I want to add something because um, I think money, and I I hate to say it like this, but money is a big divider. Uh, and since these po these podcasts are going out to our current guard population. Nothing is more important than having your DD-93 and your SGLI paperwork in order. So this is, this is my, my call to the current active guard population. If you never need it, perfect. That's what we really want. Right. But please, get your DD-93 and your SGLI paperwork in order. Check it every year and make sure it goes to the people that you want to have it gone to because we have to follow rules and regulations and we have to follow what what you chose and we cannot change it so that is one of the things um that is a pet peeve of mine <laughs> as a point as a previous fr um, family resource uh yeah uh, person i i just feel this is this is a that's just good business. Yeah. It's just yeah. good business. It's yeah. housekeeping for yeah. you. Yeah. And, and sure life, they're in deers too. Yeah. Yeah. Life changes so quickly, you know, and you forget about these things, but it's it's really, really important that that your house is in order. Yeah. So yeah. Um now you mentioned Facebook as far as keeping up with y'all on there. Uh are there any other means I guess to, to get in contact with y'all or track you or uh, if they're looking, somebody's trying to find you, where, where can they go? Well, certainly. We are located out of the uh, Bluff Road Armory. So if you want to see and meet us in person, come over to our office. Um, otherwise, uh, my phone number is 803-299-2959. Uh, and my email would be julia.r.reinberg, R-E-I-N-B-U-R-G, dot C-T-R, at mail.mil. So shoot me an email, contact us over Facebook. 
Uh, that's currently the only ways how we can, we don't have an Instagram, we don't have yeah. all the fancy yeah. Twitter and all that. <laughs> um, but What was the Facebook again? It's uh, South Carolina SOS, Survivor Outreach Services. So okay. you write it out and you will find it. It has a green logo. I'm trying to find one. <laughs> um, no, 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 logo. no, no logo today. <laughs> no, no logo for our YouTube it's really, folks. It's, it's a green circle with a gold star in the middle and the American flag as a background. If you hit this in South Carolina, you're good. There you go. Um, well, do you have any? No, I think every question I thought of asking, you guys covered it in your <laughs> yeah. what you already said. Yeah, so. and obviously I got too emotional to keep going on the questions here for whatever reason today. Um, but, you know, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and coming and talk with us about this. It's good information. Like I said, it's not, it's not information that you want to have to have, but it's information if you need that if you ever find yourself in that situation that, you know, like you said, we continue the family just, just because a bad situation occurred. That, that's not when you drop the ball on family. That's when you, you up the ante, and obviously that's what you all do. So thank you for taking the time and, and, and sharing with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for giving us the platform. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate the uh, the young ladies coming by from Survivor Outreach Services and talking with us today. A lot of good information, hard information, mm -hmm. um, like like they said, but it's needed information. Yes. Um, big thing for them to be in here not only is just getting the information out about the Survivor Outreach Service program, like they did, but also to to mention the upcoming Gold Star. Uh, event on 29th of September. Gold Star Mothers event. Gold Star Mothers event up on the on the 29th of uh, mm -hmm. September. Um, so that's something you know. Obviously, it's there for those individuals to to participate in. Maybe if you've been um, thinking about maybe coming to one, maybe this is the one that you know you got a little bit more information about. Maybe this is the one you come check out. Right. Um, if you have any other needed information, uh, they had that Facebook page, the South Carolina Survivor Outreach Services Facebook page. Uh, you can get anything, and you can contact the ladies yeah. from that, too, so yeah. if, if you have any other questions. And it sounds like a good source of information. It sounds like they're, they're putting stuff out on it. and it's, I mean, it's a good way to – it's the community. It's, yeah. it's just being part of that community, and that's really what they've, they've created is, like we said, it's, it's, it's the extension of the Guard family. Right. which is what the guard's always been. But it's, like we said, it's just because something tragic happens doesn't mean you're not part of the family anymore. If nothing else would just pull you that much closer into the family. Make sure you're okay. Right. Well, and it's uh, survivors from not just the National Guard, regular Army, reserves. Um, I think they've I've heard they have some Navy and Marine Corps yeah. mothers coming to this event. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, they really do take care of the whole state. Yeah. It doesn't sound – I mean – they're a good group of people. They're not going to turn you away. No. Even if they aren't necessarily the people that you need to be talking, they're going to find the people that you need to talk to. Right. And that's just, that's amazing to have that resource. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough job. It, it really is a tough job. I mean, I imagine, like they said, it, it's hard, but it's rewarding all at the same time. It's an emotional roller coaster. I could imagine. Or uh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. So, you know, as always, you know, thank you to the people that that support us in, in those ways and you know people forget sometimes that a lot of civilian entities i mean they're they're, they're with the the guard and the military department whatever and all that stuff but i mean these are civilians that are coming in and, and working to do this with us it's not 
Um, it's not this suit or that suit or this color or this. And they're there for, like we said, they're there for everybody. They're there for everybody. And if you've remotely been thinking about it or not sure about it or maybe you don't know if you should be working with Survivor Outreach, call them and ask. Let them, you know, let them guide you where you need to be. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Just contact them. Yeah, just contact them. Let them let them help you. I, I know it can be it can be tough. You, you know, you know, you might have some mixed feelings about the military as a whole at that point in time, or you know, you might just not think that you can reach out to anybody. That's when you're in those situations. That's when you need to reach out to somebody and and let them help you. Um, and like I said, they're connected with everybody out there in service member family care. Yes. And, and 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 the the people here at the tag bill and stuff so they they have quick access to employment services they have access to the behavioral health folks and mm-hmm. you know kind of one-stop shopping right yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff well we appreciate everybody stopping in and joining us for this episode of the palmetto guardian i'm specialist david erskine and i'm lieutenant tracy dorgan and we'll catch you in the next episode